Hey there, I'm Janie Budnick, the Pet Biz Guru and founder of the Pet Biz Hive and Pet Biz MBA. The Pet Biz Hive podcast is a space for pet business owners to still get all those things done while getting some tips and business education in their ears. So pop in an earbud and get ready for the buzz. Hey there, and welcome to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive. We are in the middle of our pet business revenue series. And today I am interviewing some amazing business owners that are at that $500,000 to $1 million revenue level. Now, this is a pretty significant level. I mean, you're looking at it, hey, I mean, that's an entire $500,000 in revenue spread, right? Well, it is kind of a space where you're making a lot of the same decisions as you've grown. So that is why I chose to have this large of a section and have a couple of business owners in here to talk about their challenges, their structure, their systems, and really how they have grown to this level and the decisions that they've had to make. So Welcome, guys. I appreciate you joining me. I have Sarah McDonald with Sarah's Pet Sitting, and I have Doug Keeling with Bad to the Bone Pet Care. Welcome, welcome. I appreciate you guys so much. So we're going to kind of just do roundtable like we have been doing here. Sarah, I will get started with you. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your business, where you're located, and, and really kind of the way that your structure is set up currently? Yeah, so we are located in Cheshire, Connecticut, and currently I have a team of about 33 employees, but it's constantly changing almost daily. (laughs) Yeah, no joke. (laughs) Yeah, and we actually work from an office. I'm in my office now, and um, we have, right now I have a team of four um, office staff. They all also do pet sitting as well. Um, and they work in the office and they probably work, they work crazy hours in the office all together. It's like 60, 70, 80 hours in a week that they're working to manage everything, um, that we do. And we've been in business. I know you had asked that on the other call. Um, we've been in business since like I had started as a solo pet center back in like 2008, 2009, like right out, right out of college, basically. Um, 2010, I left to do it full time. A few years later, my husband, you know, joined me. I think I already had a few employees at that point. And we just, it's just kind of exploded from there. It was never really even like a conscious plan to build a really big pet sitting business. It's just sort of happens over, over time, you know? And, and so, okay, you said straight out of college. So did you, were you in college for business? What were I you? actually have a vet tech degree. So I, okay. I graduated in 2007 from Quinnipiac University here in Hamden um, with a veterinary technology degree. I was just, I can't even say that I was like a huge dog person. You know, I just loved animals in general. I like science, biology, but my parents were like, hey, we really want you to get a degree where you can get a job. <laughs> so I ended up in a vet tech program and working at a veterinary office. And that actually gave me a really good kind of jump because I started helping another pet sitter who was doing it, who worked there. I started helping her and then she left the area. So all those clients became mine. And then my boss was actually so nice um, that she's like, well, if you get insurance, I'll, we can recommend you. And 
I got the insurance and they started recommending me. And before long, I was leaving, you know, to oh do it full time. I know they, they worked you right out of their employment. They, they <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, we, we still have a really good relationship with them, which is crazy because it's been so many years, you know? Yeah, that yeah. is true. You know, I would really love to know the statistics in the industry of how many people started their business along that same line. That's how I got started working in a vet clinic and just starting to do it on the side. It's funny because I was, um, the, the first veterinarian that I worked for when I moved here to St. Louis from my animal science, uh, college over at Mizzou, um, he, okay. I was flighty. I was 19, 20. I was flighty. I totally agree. I was very flighty. And, um, he would always get tickled because, uh, you know, I had total squirrel brain. And so when I started this business, uh, and I first went in to talk to him, he's like, oh yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. Well, every time I see him, you know, here it is 26 years later, I'm like, uh-huh, still here, <laughs> still here. <laughs> Those relationships, it's great to keep those relationships, though. Yeah. Such a different world to look back on like, oh, well, you know, I did used to have a J-O-B and, and yeah. now I've got this, this amazing thing that I never, never thought was going to come out of getting started back then. I definitely didn't. <laughs> I don't even think I went thought out to hire anybody. Like someone just met me on the Internet. It was like, you need to hire me. Like, I can help you. <laughs> Oh and my! We met, and I hired her as a contractor, you know, and then yeah. you know, kind of went out oh into the and then boom, we so here crazy. we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. You know, that's because it's a, a needed service, and you do amazing work, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, how about you, Doug? Fill us in on you. Yeah, I mean, similar uh, to you guys, I started in college. I started uh, just as a solo pet sitter uh, as Doug the Dog Guy in 2013, August 2013, and uh, never planned on having a business. You know, I just wanted to spend some time around animals and make some extra side money. And it just kind of grew uh, very nat naturally and exponentially. And I officially started uh, Bad to the Bone Pet Care August 2014. So this is our ninth year, my 10th year as a pet sitter, our ninth year as a, an official business. And uh, yeah, we now have 26 employees currently. And just like Sarah said, I mean, it changes daily sometimes. <laughs> um, but we currently have 26 employees. We service most of Northeast and Central Florida. We have a really big service range. I operate it as two separate teams. I kind of have my Jacksonville area team, and then I have my Central Florida team. And I run all of it now remotely from up in Atlanta. Uh, so I have a great operations manager that she kind of uh, really uh, stepped into the management role that I was doing myself before moving. And then uh, is she, we, we hired a... Uh, an assistant we call her our client relations manager uh, that's a change we just made january of this year then i have a couple of team leads that go out and do meet and greets and stuff like that as well but yeah i'm uh i'm uh totally out of the field now myself i do a couple gigs here and there for specialty clients you know i have a client in germany that i travel to and a couple clients in oregon that i travel out to and i'm heading to texas next week to to pet sit there, but uh, 
I kind of uh, just let the business run itself and life is good. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, of course, a lot of people know about you because you're out there everywhere. You've got, of course, your hiring course coming up here soon. Uh, Registration still open for that. Yes. yes, yes. I have decided to keep registration open until the end of June. So uh, if you are thinking about growing a team, go check it out. I'm really trying to put everything that I wish I would have known before I hired into this course. Uh, I had never hired or managed anyone before uh, my first hire, and I made every mistake in the book. So if I can come out on the other end after making all these mistakes, then you can do it too. Yes, I will drop that link down in the show notes for people. So that's awesome that you've got that open. And, you know, I guess that that kind of leads me into something else that I've really realized about this, this space, this revenue space of, you know, 500,000 to a million is uh, most business owners, well, you have to be doing something right to get to this level first, right? I think we can all agree you're doing something right in your community. You have a business that has to be working for you to get to that point and, and not be um, completely bald by pulling your hair out. So, uh, so with that in mind, uh, many of us are able to get staffed, of course, to be out of the field. That's typically the goal at this level that you do have a management team. And that really offers the opportunity for you to start looking at, um, you know, kind of what's next for you. Uh, of course, Sarah, you you have a family. So in your tell us tell us about your little bit. I mean, that's that's huge because you are also out of the field, right? Um, yeah, complete, pretty much completely out of the field. I do come into the office usually like two afternoons a week and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just maybe six weeks old. So I just had a baby and I also have a three and a half year old. Um, so I, I usually come in two afternoons a week, but it's kind of by choice. And it's kind of like sometimes I go through periods where I don't come in at all, sometimes more, especially if I really want to hire, if I want to be involved with training a new person for the office or whatever it is that I'm working in. And other times I don't like, obviously for the last, you know, six weeks, I'm, I'm, I haven't been in the office. I just started, you know, coming back in this week. So, but it's for like two hours. So, (laughs) yeah. yeah, So with your three and a half year old, were you out of the field at that point? Was that part of of your transition? We had at least three people working in the office. So similar situation. And I had been mostly out of the field. I think before I still, before she was born, I think I still did some overnights um, for clients who I've just been doing forever and maybe occasionally more fill in, but I, I tend to use my team and also my husband works full time with us as well. So he did some of that as well. But Uh for the most part, I was mostly, I would say like 90% out of the field already at that point. Um, Yeah. So that really has afforded you the opportunity to, you know, really focus on mom. Yeah. And that's really my goal now is to just be with my kids as much as possible, which is great. So yeah. And the fabulous thing is you have a team that has everything under control. So you can be out of the day to day, just like Doug, he has a Brenna 
everybody <laughs> needs a Brenna, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is good. You know, I have one. Mine, mine is Melanie. So shout out to Melanie in the office because, you know, this morning we had a few things completely blow up and, you know, um, I can't say it's always like calm as can be when you handle things, but it's good to know that there is someone there that takes ownership in what you're building. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I have realized being in this space is how important it is to build your culture and your team that you have, especially when you are hands off, uh, not taking care of the day to day of the business. So how how have you set that up? Are you intentional about that, Sarah? Um, I guess tell us a little bit about the the culture that you've built around yeah, around your sure. team. Yeah, so Michael has always been like efficient, really efficiency, and just I from very early on, I wanted to get out. Of, I kind of knew that I wanted to get out of the field. Um, so I've been working on that. We've been I don't know how many years, seven or eight years that we've been in this office and we had an office before that. So I've been working on that for a long time. And um, it's interesting because we do there's so much I could say about it. But we so we have the four office staff and at times I've played with giving them different titles and different roles. I definitely like having a team like absolutely a team. I know I know you have a team as well in the office because or for admin managers, whatever you want to call it, because for one, one person couldn't possibly, <laughs> you would no. go crazy trying to manage mm -hmm. it all. But also yes. it's just good for them to each have like their role. Like sometimes there'll be someone who's like their focus is hiring and like another person that's more focused on like working with the employees, like checking in with them. But we all, but at the same time, we still all share and help with each other person's different role, whatever that may be. Um, and some people are just new and they're purely doing new, calling new clients and managing all of that uh, is, is their focus. And sometimes I will hone in and like have shifts that are like, okay, this shift you need to just work on. We just need to work on hiring for these shifts. Um, if we need to get something like that done. And then other times it's just more fluid and I, we don't do that. So it, it it's, I hate to say it's like kind of casual in a way, but it, it kind of is in a way, you know, and they pretty much take care of themselves. They orchestrate things. I've been adding, you know, them as managers on duty, you know, the last six weeks, but I've been adding additional weeks and I've just been like, hey guys, which days do you want to do? I'm like, it's not critical, but if you want to take days, we have the budget for it. You know, what days do you want to do? And they've been working together to decide who does what days and Okay. So yeah, much more casual structure, Yeah, but like, I, I guess you've just set up the latitude for them to have the personal accountability of, it sounds like owning the results. They do. So, and you know what? In the beginning, we, we tried to like force some people that just weren't going to be a good fit in the office. They just really couldn't just manage that kind of work, like on the computer and just that amount yeah. of work and that there's just so many variables. It's very hard to train. And I think recent, really recently, and like the last year into really, we've just nailed down what type of person do we need for the office. Um, and that I think is a game changer because we're not, I did, I do feel like we wasted a lot of time over the years team trying to train people that we liked, but we, they weren't going to be able to do it. 
<laughs> you know, so the people that I have now are very easy to train, almost no work to train, you know, and then, and then, you know, okay, this is the person. <laughs> and now we just, we also switched completely over to hiring internally, but not just hiring internally for the office, but actually making them go through an entire hiring process, even though they already work for us when they apply to work for the office. And we had um, actually four people apply last time. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to pick one. And I had to, yeah. you know, all and they were all good. And I was like, oh my God. So I had to pick the person who I thought was just going to pick up the work the fastest with the least amount of training and also be a good, a really good fit with the team that I have already, because they have to all get along, you know, it's right. pretty critical, you know? Um, so they have to be a really good fit for each other as well. And so you, you literally have the office space. I heard you say you've had that for like seven to eight years. Yeah, but we just got an office where, so we had an, a one room office next door, but we just upgraded to this office where I have my own office where I can close the door. Oh, and then we have two desks out there. So that's awesome. I'm pretty, <laughs> I was like actually afraid to make that change. It's weird how you get in your own head. It was literally yeah. like next door, but I'm loving it. <laughs> and that's I just good. came back. So it's only like really only my second day working here. Oh, in this, okay. In this new space where I can close the door. So that's pretty awesome because we're here, they're here all day, every day. So it was hard. I would have to schedule time where no one else was here if I wanted to get like focus work done where someone wasn't on the phone and, you know, mm -hmm. comings and goings and all that. Um, Cause we're constantly training people. There's always people coming in for that as well. So now I can actually close the door and work. I could take a nap on my couch if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty psyched about that. That was just a big That's change cool. that we just did. Okay. So office space, four people in there, a lot more casual. Everyone just kind of has the team. We're just going to get the stuff done together. Cool. Yeah. And they do all have set shifts. So in diff it's different than I've, I haven't seen a lot of people doing this, but they all work like a set hours that are scheduled and time to pet. So they all come in, check in for two hours, three hours. They just usually do short shifts in the office and then they leave and they go on to maybe it's pet sitting, maybe it's dog training, you know, maybe they have overnight pet sitting, whatever. So they, it's, they're not stuck here for like eight hours, <laughs> which I think they all like. Cause I think that is one thing that people kind of get into pet sitting because they like that lifestyle of kind of moving around from place to place and not being stuck. I remember even when I did hire our manager office person who's been with us the longest she's like i'll do the office but i can't sit there for more than four hours i can work for that i can work with that that'll work for us so they yeah. all come in for really just short shifts but you know throughout the day it's one usually one after another either back to back sometimes there's overlap sometimes there's a little break in between but they're pretty much here all day every mm -hmm. day usually like 7 45 okay. till 7 at night type of thing so like kind of a rotating door that kind of high five each other as their one's leaving and another one's coming in. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doug, I, I don't remember, Doug, do you have an actual office location or are you from home office? Yeah, we don't, we don't have a physical office. All of my management team just works from home and we do plan uh, one day a month usually where we'll get together and I'll, like rent an office space at a local co-working space so we can really put our heads together and grind for that one day and share ideas and stuff. And we have weekly Zoom meetings together, but 
we all work uh, pretty independently from home. That's awesome. So yes, you did bring up co-working space. Tell us a little bit about that because some of these, uh, some of the business owners listening might not be familiar with co-working space. And that is, that's really a great opportunity that's out there because not everybody can go in and rent an office space. So where, where did you find that? Yeah. Tell us more about it. Yeah, there's several great options in our area, but we have a membership with Upwork and they're actually a, a big chain all across the country. So it doesn't matter where you're listening to this from, you can look into Upwork and it's great. I mean, you can sign up for a monthly membership uh, that would get you access to uh, either a private meeting room or cubicles, or you can just go in and rent it by the day. And they usually have like a coffee bar and a snack bar and they have good Wi-Fi and all that kind of stuff. So for, for us, you know, I actually asked my team, I said, you know, do you want an office space? We can afford it. Uh, I do not want an office space personally. Um, I'm too flighty for that, I think. I'm a nomad at heart. I, I move homes every year, every two years, you know, it's a, the thought of like having the overhead of an office that I have to upkeep and all that just kind of like gives me anxiety. But the, the being able to hop into a co-working space and rent it for the day or rent it for the week is, is perfect for us. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, yeah. and, and then, you know, in our situation, I had run out of my home up until 2012. And I had actually had managers coming to my own personal home. I had an office there. And so they would uh, they would work out of my own home office. And then in 2012, I put my house on the market and, um, you know, she, poor Terry would come in to the office and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, we've we've got a showing. And so she'd have to pack everything up and tidy it up and leave for a while and then come back. And I'm like, this is crap. This is just not sustainable. And uh, at that point, let's see, 2012, I had, you know, a couple of young children who liked to go to the French doors of the office and like make funny faces and lick the door. So really, it was about time, right? Um, she has fond memories of that. She was a, a manager for me for 10 years. And so I ended up finding um, Extra Space, which is a storage facility. They actually have um, a building here locally that has office suites. And so I can't believe I've been there for almost 11 years now. But oh. we we actually have um, our managers are full time and they I mean, they all work together. So it's getting squishy. I mean, it's like a 10 by 20 office space. Uh, but, you know, my general manager, she's in there full time every day. My operations manager is generally in there unless she has some runs. Uh, my HR manager is in there three days a week. And then on Thursdays, I come in for team meetings and um, also my marketing manager comes in. So uh, like we're squishy. Do you have two or three desks set up in there or? <laughs> there's, there's three desks. <laughs> okay. Because we had just added a second one in the old office with two computers. And now yes. I have one. So now we have to add a third. I know. I just I just had to buy a fourth computer because my GM's computer was operating like a slug. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're actually looking at possibly doing what you did and get something that has two two office spaces. Yeah. Because we like they could be doing interviews and stuff out there and I can be 
you know, yes. in here working. I could be doing interview. I could be doing phone interviews in here, and they could be doing in persons out mm-hmm. there without it conflicting. So it's awesome. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. So it's I really think that work when so much we have to be on the phone when you're like right next to each other. Mm-hmm. They do they do it much better than me, but I don't really work well. I'll just chat with them. <laughs> really, if they're here and they're next to me, I'll just I'll talk. Willing to talk to the entire time. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of a consideration, you know, as you grow up, you do have some sort of an office space, like the efficiency and, and how, how efficient people can be in the same office. That's what I wonder uh, too. And that's why I tend to schedule their shifts back to back with mm-hmm. like, cause I'm like, if I'm chatting a lot when I'm here with them, they might be chat. Like I don't mind some chatting, but there's too much to do. Like we don't have time for chatting. Yeah. I know in in our case with the culture that we've built, they work beautifully together and they up-level each other. So I would not want to change what we currently have because of that. So, um, because they, you know, my, my marketing manager, she, uh, is in the city area. So she's a good half hour away. That's why we only have her come out, you know, just, once a week, but she's driving all over our entire market at all times. So she does a lot of driving anyway. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, the next thing I kind of wanted to chat about is what is, what's the next big project you're working on in your business? I'll start with you, Doug, on that. Of course, you know, you kind of need to separate what you're doing and, you know, one side with your um, Doug the dog guy. So tell me in bad to the bone pet care, what is like the next big project that you're currently working on? Man, we've got uh, several things in the works right now. <laughs> Hard to narrow it down to just one, but I, the the real big thing that we're focusing on right now is trying to get away from vacation pet sitting and more into daily dog walking. This is something that we've I've had on the radar for the last couple of years since before I made it to the 500 plus range. Um, But it was something that I always kind of put my own personal needs in, in way of the business. You know, I, I was kind of the bottleneck there because uh, the daily dog walking just does not excite me. It never has. I love doing the vacation pet sitting and that's how I got started. I love, doing overnight stays. I'm kind of the weird one out in our industry, especially, uh, you know, at our, at our level like this to say that, but that's just, it has always been what has excited me and and brought me joy. And, uh, so I, I knew that transitioning to daily dog walking and away from pet sitting would be better for scheduling, make hiring easier. There's a multitude of reasons. It's less liability in all honesty. There's a multitude of reasons of why it's a good route to go, but I just always put my own personal wants and needs in, in, mm-hmm. and made a bottleneck. And now that we're at this level, I find myself kind of daily reminding myself that, you know, what is best for me personally may not be what is best for the actual business. And I think that kind of mindset shift has been just one of the the biggest challenges for me um you know when when you're a solo sitter when you make a decision it'll it's only going to affect you you know Mm -hmm. and then if you're at that hundred thousand range if you make a decision it's going to affect you and maybe a couple other people and your clients 
when you're at this range, every single decision that you make and you don't make is going to have rippling effects for, you know, for me, for 26 employees and their families and then right. over a thousand different clients. And so I kind of have to separate my own wants and needs out from the business and say, OK, like this is the direction we need to go, whether it makes sense to me personally or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of transition in your own mind. I mean, that's similar to the transition that I talk about is that I am not my ideal client. And I I have had that uh, reemphasized repeatedly over the past five years. Uh, some of those little decisions that I've made in my business, I originally was the mindset I would never want more than one person in my house. So I, like you said, kind of, I was the lid on that. I was, I was the roadblock and things changed and started to grow whenever I changed to a team mentality. And, oh, I would never, um, I would never want a business where, or I would never want to have a, a hire a company that you didn't get to meet your sitter. Yeah, well, that was another roadblock I set up for myself. Now just our managers do new client appointments. Oh, I would never want somebody coming into my house cold. Well, I was wrong about that because the market is telling me that my perceptions were not what is really needed. Um, and then more recent one, a couple of years ago, I would never charge for a consult. <laughs> I just, I just keep getting proved wrong. So now I'm a little bit more flexible. I'm like, Hey, really? What, what does the market say about it? So I keep going to the market in those situations. So that's, that's very much kind of the same, the same situation there is, you know, what, what's good for your business might not be the same thing that, that you, you would really see as, you know, on the front end, what would be the best. So I like being proved yeah. wrong. <laughs> I'm a little more open to that. How about you, Sarah? Have you had any kind of situations like that that have come up in your business? Well, um, I mean, I've always, for a very long time, we've been, you know, with the whole team approach. So when I hear people, I, I hear so many people that are reluctant to go down that avenue for all the reasons you mentioned. And I'm like, look, like I can show you like this, this absolutely works. Like, mm -hmm. And what I want to mention is, I don't know if you remember one of your trainings you did, you had like a chart with circles that showed why people pay for what they pay for. Mm -hmm. And the things were convenience, reliability, availability, those types of things, not really price or any of those other factors. And, you know, mm -hmm. if you can make it very reliable, available, you always have backup, you can always take them. They're not going to, first of all, you going to have clients that value those things not the not value the one pet setter thing and i mean it's huge and that that was one of my goals this year to emphasize those things um because because we have such a big team we could take everyone i actually started advertising to my existing clients short notice availability because we can accommodate that fairly easily uh at an you know we charge more for it so it's kind of a no-brainer um so yeah i mean the biggest, the biggest mind shift for me was um, being very attached to our old system and I should have changed and I couldn't get out of my own way with that old system. <laughs> so I do wish in a way that we change to 
TTP sooner, but I was very reluctant because we had been with that old system for over 10 years. And yeah, yeah. And I remember that was like, that was a big thing. Yeah. What that, oh that was the first time I started talking to you was when you're like, I don't know. And it's hard. Oh my gosh. People out there that are considering software changes or, Oh, heaven forbid, like the whole leaf, uh, leash time thing. I feel so bad for those people when they are forced to find something new. We were new. basically forced, but we were lucky because as soon as we saw the signs that we saw the signs and we immediately jumped ship. We had thought about leaving many times before, but there were certain things that I, I didn't want to let go of. Yes. It was very, it was just an emotional thing, you know. But immediately, like as soon as, I didn't think I could even learn a new system, but... <laughs> Now that I have TTP, we love, there's things that we miss, but we yeah. love it. And our business has really exploded in the last year just from that change. And we haven't really done any major changes, except the things that I did change was like when I did start with that system. And this is another area where people have huge, I feel like big mental blocks because they want to keep all of their things the same, but it's like, you got to change change it, change your policies to work with this system. So it's efficient. Don't try to force things into the system that just aren't going to work with the system. So going into it day one, I set up our cancellation policies and things to be work well with the system and also be super efficient for us to manage. So we literally do nothing. Same with our billing. We do nothing for our billing. We do nothing really to manage cancellations besides maybe one or two clicks. Like I set it all up. So it worked so well with the system. And that's, that, I think that's why we've been so successful with the system versus a lot of people are that have had to change from the old that old system that they were forced out of. They haven't had as good of luck because they're trying to hang on to those things. Right, right. Yeah, just really, really like trying to find something that has the same capabilities and yeah, it just doesn't yeah. do it that way. You just have to, you just have to pivot. <laughs> yeah, and you know that was really, really interesting. What you were saying about you know how some people are so, so attached to this is how we've always done things. Yeah, and, just, and me, I'm more like, let's tr can we undo this? Because let's try if we can undo that. Because yeah. like right now we're we're changing our overnights and making them quite a bit more expensive. And I was thinking about adding like early and late visits at an upcharge. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, all these things are very easy to try and very easy to undo if we don't like it. Mm -hmm. So if, if you can, there's no reason not to try something if you can't, you know, if you can simply undo it, if you don't like it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> don't, know? don't get trapped with the whole status quo. This is how we've always done things. Yeah. That's a huge, I think a very, very big growth mindset shift that you have to have when you get to this point. Yeah. Because it's no longer, it's big enough that it's no longer just about you. Yeah. And, and you have so many other focuses on, you know, your team and what's good for your team. And yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of, lot of opportunities to, to really grow yourself uh, in the, in your leadership and the way that you work with people and listening to people and, and those kinds of changes. And it always has to be something that that's really market-based. Uh, you have to take a bit, a bit of self out of it, uh, still being mindful of what your own, you know, your own goals and your values are, but, you know, you still have to really see what, what's being reflected out there as, as being a need. I think so, a lot of those things are unavoidable if you want to get to that, this point. Like if you, if you really want to get to this point, I think you need to make the plunge for, you know, credit cards, automatic payment, 
getting rid of keys. I really think you need like I think it I think it can be done and there's always a way, but I think to get into this range you're going to have to take the the plunge on those things. It's yeah. just not, there's just not enough time in the day. There's just not enough money to pay people to do those things for hours and hours. Like you're you're just kind of going to have to bite the bullet and make those changes if you want to get to the get to the, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. It's, it's all about mindset shift. How about you, Doug? What, what have you seen that's, you know, been needed for your business as it's grown with just the mindset? Oh man, it on, on the subject of mindset, um, again, it comes down to me being the own, my own bottleneck on things and particularly around the finances of the business. You know, I didn't oh. grow up around money. Uh, money was not talked about in my house. We uh, lived paycheck to paycheck most of my childhood, you know, and I didn't plan on starting a business. So when I had made it to six figures as a 20 year old still in college, it was mind boggling. I mean, it was something that it really uh, changed my life and changed how I had to think about the world around me dramatically. And uh, I think that exact same shift I'm kind of in the middle of right now because I, I got I got kind of used to running a, a $100,000 business. But then when you wake up and you see $60,000 coming in and out of your checking account every month, it's like <laughs> I've definitely kind of had to like buckle up, hold on, like, whoa, I never expected to see that kind of money ever in my entire life, you know, and then to know that to actually see it day to day, it's, you really have to, to grasp it, you have to understand where it's coming from, where it's going to wrap your mind around it and, and remind yourself that you can handle it. You can do it. And that that's honestly been the hardest part for me. It's like, I just didn't expect it and I didn't grow up around it. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, been a I huge just, shift. Yeah, I resonate with that so much. It's it's funny. So yesterday was Thursday and, and we do our admin meetings on Thursday. So I was in the office and I'm getting ready to leave to go out of town for a couple of weeks. So my, my HR manager always sets up payroll and ADP for me. And then she sends it to me for the last look over. And I'm the one that pushes the big button saying approve. And um, I had to show her how to do that. She's going to have to do that on the 15th because I'm going to be in Japan. And uh, so we went through it and I processed it. And I'm like, guys, you just have to take a look at this because it was the single largest payroll I'd ever run. And it was $31,000. And we all just went, <gasps> you know, $31,000 for two weeks. And I'm like, wow. And so you saying that just, that just brought that to me that all of these mindset transitions, because I was raised a uh, single mom and she was a teacher and in, in a small town also. So, um, so yeah, not having any concept of money, not having core education about money. So for the first probably 15 years of my business, it was like, oh, hey, look, it's in my bank account. That means I can spend it. So I had to have such a massive mindset shift and self-education on that because I was hitting the point where I'm like, oh, there's not enough money for payroll. What <laughs> happened? And that's, that's a place I don't want anyone to be in when they're growing. So 
I mean, you're right. That's that's one of the big things as you're uh, starting to elevate your business and scale is getting like totally attached to those numbers. Love your numbers. Be yeah. best friend. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that you mentioned self-education. That's kind of the, the journey that I am on right now is um, realizing how much I don't know and how much I need to know, especially when it comes to the finances and understanding numbers of this quantity and, and things like that. You know, I'm spending every evening, I'm reading books, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm reaching out to people. I have a meeting with a, an accountant next week that shows she can just make sure that I understand my numbers in the way that I need to from, from that side of things. And uh, really diving into the self-education. And that's something you don't really have as much time for when you're, you know, in the weeds of really building your business. But once you kind of get to this level and you're able to offset a lot of the admin tasks onto your management team and your admin team and stuff, it kind of gives you the opportunity to look at yourself in the mirror and say, what do I need to do? What, what kind of work do I need to do on myself? Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it um, is understanding what is going to be the most valuable use of your time. Um, you know, it, it, like I really, I, I'm, I'm an input person, education. I live off of learning new things. And I find myself many times wanting to learn something that really is smarter to outsource um, my oh, previous, huge. yeah, my, my previous web designer that I had for like 15 years, um, when she switched me from HTML base to WordPress, I wanted to learn how to do the updates. So she, you know, kept nurturing me through and I learned how to use uh, WP bakery. Well, whenever I switched over to, um, to, uh, marketing, for my new website and had her redesigned, she uses Elementor. Well, I had to learn Elementor, just had to. Now, it's great to know that because I do so much with it, but God, you know, my, probably a better use of my time would have been outsourcing that and saying, hey, Erica, take care of this for me. Yes. I, I have a big challenge because I want to learn how to do all of this stuff. I, you know, tech and learning and uh, honestly having having the knowledge and being able to, okay, I'll just bottle it down to being able to control things myself. <laughs> um, that's a bottleneck. It really is. And I, I'm, I'm challenging myself right now of what are those things that it's going to take time to teach somebody else how to do it, but that I need to teach somebody else how to do it. So do you kind of see the, the same thing, Sarah? Are you... A little bit, but I am a little bit different in the way that I work. I kind of see myself as more as like the creative part of the business. Like, come, I just tend to come up with ideas. I guess I kind of do like observe everything you guys are doing and it does spark like a lot of creativity, but I don't really, and I may listen to a bit of a book or a bit of a podcast or this here and there but I don't like dive into those things the same way that I see you guys doing. I'm just more kind of collecting little bits and then I'll have just ideas. And then I kind of see my role as to like 
put those ideas into action, whether, and, and most of the time, if I am going to put an idea into action, it's, it's not because I don't want to be doing it myself, whatever it is. I want to train my staff to do it. Like I, a, a while back, I trained my staff to do all the hiring because I was like, eh, I'm kind of sick of this. <laughs> like I want my staff to do all. And they're so honestly so much better, so much more efficient because they're working together and they have set times to work on it. So they can do it even better than I could ever hope to do it. <laughs> I mean, so, that right there is really growth in yourself of knowing that other people can do it better. And Absolutely. being able to yeah. to give that to them, you know, yeah. fill in the blanks of what they need to know. Yeah. Uh, that is a huge part of growing a team is making sure that you realize where you are weak and you are able to fill that fill that hole with someone who has that as their strength. Yeah. And I do feel like my role is just kind of a bit of their guide. I call them. I say, how are you doing? How are things going? How's this going? How's that going? Um, and we just talk through all different things. We have meetings, but again, it, it's casual. Like we're going to have one this week because I've been away, but we don't have them 100% regular. I tend to just do a lot of one-on-ones with my staff so I can know not just how the business is going, but how they're doing themselves, which I think is really important. Um, so, you know, I, I like that. I kind of just fell into the role where I'm comfortable and where I really, really enjoy it versus being stressed out by it. And I am lucky because my husband works with me full time. So I am very, very lucky because where you guys, it seems like, have had had to learn some of those things. There's a lot of things that he's learned, like web design. Um he does the payroll. I said, you know, we could train our staff to do the payroll. He's like, no, no. I'm like, our, our one of our staff did payroll for another company. He's like, no, I want to do it myself because like you guys, he wants to see exactly what's going out. He's like, that helps me know where we are with our finances. He's like, I don't want to. I'm like, okay, well, the option's there. Um, you know, and he does, like I said, a lot of the web design and a lot of the marketing. So I haven't had to do all of those things and I'm okay with that. I just, I've done some of those things in the past, but I don't have a huge interest in that. I like working with my office team and kind of coming up with new ideas and directing everyone. <laughs> you know. So that makes me think of, of the book Traction. Have both of you read Traction? I don't think by, so. Yeah, I love Traction. You know, by Gina Wickman. All right, Sarah, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you homework right now, right? If you're a reader, I, I know it's an audible. Audible, I do audible. There you go. I know, I think I have it. I think I have it both ways. It was one of those that I got an audible and I was like, oh no, I need to like literally turn the pages of this one. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Traction is really all about the EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System Method. And you are totally defining that visionary position and yeah. in their, you know, business model. And, uh, you know, it's just nice to be able to see that model and see who you have on your team that fits in each position. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most of us as business owners, we are the visionaries and we need to have those people, especially for me, I am just talking to myself big time here. I am a hundred percent the visionary. I come up with a million new ideas a day. Um, <laughs> it's like squirrel. But um, it's it's having that person under you that is your implementer. 
And yeah. it sounds like you have a team of implementers. Yeah. Um, mine is my general manager. It's that person that is able to take those ideas, help flesh them out, be your devil's advocate, figure out the ones that are going to work the best and push them to the rest of the team that yeah. actually gets the work done. Yeah. So it sounds like you you have that totally highly recommend that book to all the listeners also. No, what about yeah, you? I, mean, I would like to even get better at that and being able to see see what people's strengths are and yes. see how we can utilize even like our our team beyond that because we do some of you guys have mentioned we do have staff that do even though they're not in the office they do like team training or job like job shadows with new employees where we do like an on the job interview. So we do have people like that, but they don't have like a defined role. It would be good to just identify those people more, give them more of a defined role as um, whatever it is, new employee trainer, whatever it is. Um, so there's definitely a lot of room for <laughs> where yeah. I can be doing even more with that, you know. Well, a complete aside, we need to set up a little chat for that because I I do have a lot of those defined roles. And I think you do also, Doug. So it's really good to do. It, it also really elevates your, your employees whenever you have additional opportunities. And not just that, oh, well, it excites people because they have a title. But I, I really feel like in this industry especially, because it is so personal with what we do and just so much passion and heart that goes into it uh, that people like to have that, you know, elevated input and responsibility. So I know for our employees, they certainly feed off of having that additional responsibility and feeling like they're part of something bigger. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, we, we have done it in the past a bit and I'd like to do it more again. And I'm just a huge advocate for having uh, different people in different roles. So if you do, you know, lose someone, you're not losing your whole team at once. You're maybe you're just losing your hiring manager. Or you're just losing your marketing manager. Obviously, that sucks and it's a pain. But at least you're not losing your person who does everything. Yeah. <laughs> like never set because that literally, if you do, if you are gonna, if you're in a situation where you can lose the person who does everything they're in control of your business, not you. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of, mm -hmm. you know, because if you lose them, you're screwed basically. So I'm all about like having that team, identifying what everybody is good at and, you know, getting them in their roles, but also still kind of cross-training them so everybody can do a little bit of everything. Yeah, I think that's really the highlight of the way you have your structure set up is there is that cross-training so they can fill in for each other. Yeah, and it's because like someone was do like I had one person who was a hiring manager, but that doing phone interviews after phone interview and the quantity that we do them for weeks and months and years, that's boring. <laughs> Honestly, like even if you love that. So now we have someone else do who we haven't really changed the title or talked about the titles in a while, but we have someone else doing a lot of the interviews right now, who's new and she's fresh and she's very bubbly and she's ready to jump into that. So it is a little bit fluid. I think kind of for us, it ha I like it that way. I like it both ways, you know? Well, I mean, it's, it's working for you. So, yeah. you know, you get to this point and that's a big thing for everybody to understand is you have to figure out what works for your specific business. These yeah. are just some ideas and you do it very differently than I do it. Doug does it very differently. 
So, you know, everybody's going to kind of have their little sweet spot that they figure out, you know, what their team is going to look like, because we all have our own individual skills. You know, mine are going to be different than, than each of you. So you build your team based off of your own skills and what, what you see the needs are that need to be filled. So I know, you know, you're kind of, you're nodding your head there, Doug. I see it. So I know you've read Traction and, um, I, yeah. you know, kind of tell me what you got out of that. I clearly you're the visionary. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that I've been thinking about this a lot this year, the last couple of months, because, you know, I, you get kind of used to being like the jack of all trades, you know, as you're building your business, you, you have to know how to do Elementor and you have to know how to do payroll and how to do the interviews and, you know, because it all kind of comes back to you and then, you know, you kind of go up a rung and then you can, you have like one manager or one admin person and then, but you're still very fluid. You're still kind of, now you have kind of two jacks of all trades, but then the, the more that you grow and the more that you scale, the more specialized you really can make these roles. And the, the more you can kind of, uh, uh, partition things out instead of having it all on one person, you can have a hiring manager and things like that. And that's something that's, it's great for the business, but it's been kind of hard for me to uh, wrap my mind around, I think, especially with bringing on like this client relations manager role. This is a new role that we created in January of this year. And I didn't really know what I wanted the role exactly to look like before I started it. I kind of had a, a broad idea, but we spent really the first quarter of this year really looking at all of the different uh, management tasks and seeing like, okay, well, if you do this, then then who's going to do this and who's going to be better at this? And, you know, and how how is it going to flow the best? What's going to be the most efficient way to get through all of these tasks? And and uh, not just looking at the task and what makes sense on paper, but also taking into consideration what each of these people are, are truly good at and enjoy doing and want to do. And, and me just being the type of person that I am, I always want to jump in and like take control. And I want to, and I see these different floating pieces and parts and I'm like, well, I can do that. I can jump in. I can do scheduling today. I can go do that dog walk today. And I, I literally have told my managers that like when they see me about to do something like that, they, they're one of their main jobs is to say, you know, Doug, that's not your job. That is, that's not your job anymore. I know that you did that for years. I know that you could do it, but that's our job now. We need you to go focus on these things. That is your job now. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, we have, um, you know, I, I like job descriptions. You know, I say I'm operating with a full deck because, you know, I have with the EOS system and the, you know, E-Myth Michael Gerber system where he says, you know, here's all the positions in the company, put everybody's name on them. And uh, so that's always been very important for me. And so now I have managers across the board that have those positions. They're all very clearly defined. And, and I really like job titles. So we have you know, kind of fun, unique ones in our business. I'm the, I'm the cat. I'm the chief of all things. Uh, my, uh, my, integrator, my integrator, my general manager, she's the dog. She's the director of greatness. So they, they each have their own titles based off of what they do, but um, you know, really, and, and we all have general short 
job descriptions. Like ultimately this is what we're responsible for. And my job description is start new shit and fix what's broken. So, you know, <laughs> nice and simple. So that's, that's pretty much what I do. I mean, if it gets the point that something is messed up, I'm in there figuring out efficiency and what we need to do to change things. Um, and I start new shit because <laughs> that's, that's what I love doing. And, um, you know, like you said, making sure that you've got people who are passionate in the right position, I've had to adjust some of our job descriptions based off of that. You know, we originally, as we were building to the team that we have, I had uh, basically my GM and my HR person were kind of sharing operation manager duties because that's the last position that I hired in. And, you know, they kind of had it split up. So when I started to create that operations manager, that person was supposed to be in charge of really any fulfillment in the field. And part of that was going to be doing new client appointments. My HR manager was like, but I really love doing that. You know, I asked everybody, what are your favorite things that you enjoy about your job right now? And the HR manager was like, I love new client appointments. It's my favorite thing about this job. And she's incredible with it. Absolutely incredible. So I was like, okay, we're going to modify that. That doesn't have to be some concrete, it's just an operations manager role. So she does those along with hiring. It keeps her super happy. I mean, right now it's keeping her super crazed because we have so many of them. We have two people that, that do those. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's modifications that can be made to make it work, but I, uh, you know, you're always looking for people that are just skilled in those specific areas and that's going to make them happier, happier employees whenever they're working in their zone of genius. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of times that can happen a little like for us it happens a little bit organically because they have the freedom and they'll kind of amongst themselves one will start working on the like we'll kind of take them through where when they first start it's like okay you're learning how to intake new clients then you're learning how to interact with pet sitters and help you know check in with pet sitters then you're learning how to do mm -hmm. hiring then you're learning how to do whatever else maybe some higher manager type of thing task but at the same time, it's they kind of come up with what they like to do and what they're interested in, and it kind of is evolving, you know. I think that's so cool that you have that model too. And I think too, it's it's almost kind of like how some people I've heard. I don't know if it was Michelle Klein how she like brings her staff up through the tier, like the tiers of each role. Mm -hmm. It's almost like that, but like in a smaller level in the office where they start. And I found too, like when you do intake someone in the office, instead of trying to teach them everything, it's really good if they can just master something small, like just a lot of times we start with just intaking new clients because that keeps us very busy. Mm -hmm. um, and then they can kind of flow through the different, the different tasks and, and learn everything. I love it. Oh my gosh. Um, so, okay. I'm going to throw another question out there. Um, what Sarah, I'll, I'll let you answer this one first. What is probably the single decision that you've made over the past couple of years in your business that has changed it the most? So recently the whole key thing, 
Oh my God. Why didn't we do that a million years ago? <laughs> and I think that's what I first started asking you about. And you were so nice. You sent me your whole key, uh, key management order. program. Yes. And I was like, what the heck, Sarah? Why did I think of this? Like, why didn't we do this? Why didn't? And we've been working on that over the last really two years. Mm -hmm. um, oh, my God. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, amen to that one. So yeah, everybody that doesn't know that changing over to lock boxes and no longer having all of those keys floating through it's, your nightmares. It's funny because we did it very differently than what you do, but uh -huh. it's still the same general idea. Like it's amazing. Like you don't like if people are looking to make that change, they don't have to do it ex the exact same way, but oh, definitely yeah. just do definitely do it in your own the way. Freedom. <laughs> oh my God, what a game changer. Our office person would spend hours and hours on Fridays doing the schedule, putting all the keys. It was mm -hmm. such a waste of time. And then every time people would call out or become unavailable on a moment's notice, then it's like, oh, well, do we have the key or can we find the key? Oh my God, like that is completely unfeasible at this point. And that's another one of those changes that you're just, you're. I just don't see how you're going to do it. Because yeah. how are, what are you going to do every time somebody calls out, you're going to, and I think sometimes they think, oh, maybe like at this point we have it all together. People don't call out. People don't know. People call oh, out, no. people quit all the time. It's just the way we see those things. I don't see that as like a catastrophe. I see that as a part of my everyday life. And yeah. it's just, you know, we have the team approach. We don't use keys anymore. So we just send the next person or the next yeah. person or whoever's available. You know, if we have to recruit somebody from a different area and pay them extra, we do that. Um, yeah. One but, out of 33 is very different than one out of three. Yeah. And it's, oh, it's yeah. amazing too. Cause even when we have a merge and that's the thing why we don't exactly have like field managers, we have more of the office because yes, the people in the office can go out into the field because they're all trained pet sitters, very skilled pet sitters if they need to and they do do that on occasion but most often what i do and what they do sometimes too um is they just find the next closest pet sitter that's already out working in that area hey can you go help so and so they're locked out a dog's uh -huh. loose whatever it is there was a two dogs that into a fighter whatever it could be you know we're just kind of dispatching our sitters that are already working um in the field so yeah. I think that is a bit of a difference from what I've seen a lot of people. A lot of people I notice have like field managers who are just out and about, but we don't really have that because we'll just dispatch the sitter that's the closest. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. What about you, Doug? What is like the single thing that has just made the biggest dramatic difference in your business? Now you can't use lock boxes. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm so pro operation lockbox. Like yes. if you're listening to this, if, if you're listening to this and you're not using lockboxes, you can reach out to any of us. I mean, oh my God. do I it. Do. I have leap. my free series. I'll drop the link to the series at the bottom. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, no, for me though, it was actually moving. It was, uh, you know, I think I ran my business a certain type of way when I was in the area and I knew that if something was to fall through the cracks, I'm going to be there. I can swoop in and handle it, you know, and I'm there to meet all the new employees and be there for their training and 
when you when you know that you cannot be there for those types of things, it really makes you think about everything in a totally different way. And for me, I mean, I kind of went down this rabbit hole for six months while I was preparing for the move up to Atlanta, where I rewrote all of our systems and processes, all of our I wrote I rewrote our entire operations manual. I redid our entire training. Uh, I used to do like in-person training and then fetch find and all these different things. And I went and built out like an entire like uh, internal training course that I put new team members through now. It just really made me rethink everything about the business. And it has been amazing. I mean, I was terrified to move. I mean, this business is my baby. Just all, all of our businesses are our babies. And I put so much into it. And to know that I'm going to be six hours away and I can't swoop in. It's like, oh, no, like it's it's a terrifying thought at first. But knowing that I had the, the right structure in place and knowing that I had this training course and the operations manual written out and all these different things to be up in Atlanta now, six hours away from my team and to see it all flowing and continuing to go in the right direction. It's like, wow, maybe I did do something right. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you it's, ever it's like, incredible. are there of any moments, I guess for either one of you where like you seriously get choked up, like you, <laughs> you see your team or you have a team event or something like that. And you're standing there like, holy shit, I built this. Yeah. <laughs> all I the mean, time. all the time. Yeah. Having, especially from where me and my husband came from. I mean, when we talk about it, sometimes when I first started dog walking and I would get mad when people wouldn't pay me on the first day of the week. And it was like, literally, I don't have gas to get here if you don't pay me. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't tell your customers that, but that was fully the situation. Like yeah. people, I, I had little babies. Had no, no money, nothing like electricity getting turned off type of I situation. had babies. <laughs> I, I was on food stamps and I had babies. So yeah. those of you that are struggling right now, we might be here, but we get it. Oh, yeah. We do. We definitely Absolutely. started. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. And then when my husband <laughs> left his job, we went down to. Uh, oh. It was just one day, one day many years ago where my husband just woke up one day and was like, I'm going to quit my, my, because he had a full-time job. I don't know what year that was. I'll have to ask him, but we had been married for a few years and he had a full-time job and I was pet sitting and he was like, I'm going to quit my job today. And I was just like, okay. And oh, can we talk gonna, about this first? <laughs> it was going to be temporary and it ended up being permanent. You know, wow, it, yeah. it was just, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's just crazy to think about. Yeah. He, had, he had thought he would get another job, like something he liked better. And he would just, he's like, I'm going to come work with you for you for a while. And it was crazy. Cause when he did come work for me, he was that pet setter doing, cause I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Like he was really fit. I'm like, you're going to do like 40. He was doing 40, 50 visits a week, every week. Oh my gosh. Like you so. worked him hard. <laughs> Yeah, we've been, I was ready to, you know, pass a lot of that on and he took over and we offered running, like a running service, um, because he was like a runner. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. Just, we've definitely come a long way. Oh man, that's <laughs> great. Well, I got one more question for you guys. So five years from now, what are you going to be doing? What is your business going to look like? 
in your life in five years? I'll let you answer that, Sarah. So it's an interesting question. I think about it a lot. I mean, my kids will be in school full time. So that's Uh breaking my heart right there thinking about that. And I think about it all the time. Like, what do I want to do when they're in school? And I'm like, do I want to do some kind of coaching thing? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do I really want to be doing? And honestly, like, I kind of just want to hang out in my garden. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, 2028, yeah. God, you know, yeah. 2028, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would, we would like to be out, out kind of like, Doug, I don't think we don't want to move permanently, but we want to be able to go somewhere for like a month and not have to worry. And I think we're totally set up to do that now. Um, so, but I think it's just because we have little kids, it's not as feasible. But I think as the kids get a little bit bigger for summer break, like we definitely want to be able to, and and we do camp a lot and go go off in the camper. So we definitely want to be able to do a ton of that. My brother lives out um, in Reno. So we want to be able to go to Lake Tahoe instead of just for a week. We want to go for a month, maybe two months, even maybe go to Florida in the winter. You know, so we do want to be able to travel more, Um yeah, I don't, we don't have any like crazy, I don't have any crazy goals to like pivot or sell the business. Like I, I actually love this business. I really grew to love it over the years. I don't mm-hmm. even know that it started out that way, but I really grew to love it and like love my role in the business and really love my team and all the people that we help. So I couldn't ever picture, cause I know I've also heard like your podcast on like exit strategies. Like I can't, picture really ever letting it go like I kind of have like the unrealistic dream that my one or both of my kids could take it over someday um so I know I don't have any candidates so far (laughs) you don't oh but you never know because your kids are still you know they they're going to change their minds once they get out there in the real world they may be like oh you know maybe this is something I want. And, and that was kind of like, it's a more than a five-year goal, obviously, but it's like, could I have this running so my kids could pursue, this is more like a 20-year goal, but they could pursue their own interests and just keep this going with a few hours a week um, mm-hmm. is kind of the long-term goal as well. So they could have families pursue their own degrees and interests and may possibly keep it going. Maybe they won't want to, you know, I'm prepared for that as well, you know, but um, there you go. at least they, they could have the option to, to mm-hmm. keep it going if they wanted to, you know. That's cool. What about you, Doug? June 2028. What is Doug doing? Man, <laughs> hopefully I'm running around with a couple of my own kids by then. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have I don't any yet, but I want to. What country is dug in in June of 2028, right? Yeah, I'll be on the beach in Mexico with my my gaggle of kids. and <laughs> You're going to have a gaggle. Yeah. <laughs> I want as many kids as I can adopt and then one more. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. you know, that's kind of where I am. I thought I was having three kids and then one more, right? It happens that way. <laughs> So yeah, what do you think, your, I, I, what's your business going to look like in five years? I, I guess I'm kind of the flip side of the coin from uh, Sarah on this. I think that uh, within five years, I would have liked to have sold that bad to the bone by then and kind of transitioned. I, I think I'll always stay in the pet industry. I love the pet industry. I've really 
found my people, our pet people. You know, I love going to the conferences and 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 meeting everyone and spending time with everyone. And uh, I don't, I, I I am starting to think about my exit strategy though. And and I think this move to Atlanta was kind of a big part of that. It was kind of can can the business operate without me? And I've I've kind of proven that it can now. So it's thinking about next steps and. Um, I don't know. I don't know what my next role in the pet industry will be after I transition out of bad to the bone, but we'll figure it out. That's pretty cool. I love it. I know five years seems like such a long time from now, but it's it gonna really go by in a blink of an eye. You know, it really you, isn't. Especially when you do have little ones, it goes yeah. by. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's the most rewarding part of all of this is just to get to be with that and to have me and my husband. Yes, we're busy and we have a hectic lifestyle like anyone, but we get to really be with them more, Yeah, you know, than yeah. you might if you were working 40, 50 hours type of mm -hmm. thing, you know, like a lot of families are doing. So yeah, you do get to this level and you just have more choice. You can yeah, choose definitely. to you can choose to be involved in the day to day. You're better served if you're not. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then it just offers you a lot more, more freedoms and opportunities. So gosh, thanks guys. This has been amazing. I knew that we were going to get on this and we were going to have an, an extra long podcast. So apologize to those of you that are like, wow, this is the longest podcast ever, but it's perfect <laughs> if you were out doing an extended dog walk. It's probably just about the right amount of time, right? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, thank you guys so much. I appreciate thank you. you. I am going to drop your information down in the, in the show notes so everybody can follow you guys, your businesses, and everything that you have going also. So I appreciate y'all so much. Thank you so, so much. much for having thank us. You. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive. You can follow me at Pet Biz Hive on both Facebook and Instagram and learn more at PetBizGuru.com. What is your next best move? <laughs>